Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we're going to be talking with Jamie Troiano, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Predictive HR. Jamie, how are you this morning? I am doing great. Thank you for having me, John. Yeah, yeah. so why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself and tell me about your background, how'd you get here, and um, we'll, we'll move from there. Sure. Uh, so uh, my name is Jamie Troiano. Uh, uh, we're based here in uh, the Boston area. And um, I have a background in finance, and then I moved into HR. Uh, I've been in HR operations for uh, close over 15 years. And um, one of the things that I always was focusing on is reporting, analytics, and getting systems, the disparate HR systems, to talk to each other. And so every place that I went to throughout my career, I always ran into the same teams, same problems. I would have large teams offshore putting together reports, stagnant reports because they're a snapshot in time, trying to normalize the data, and then bringing, giving me back reports that executives were making business decisions on critical business decisions on data that's stale, three, four weeks old. And um, because it was a snapshot in time, it was, some of it was wrong. So for me, I went to a number of different companies. I tried to get someone to build me what I wanted and no one would do exactly how I wanted it. So I ended up uh, bringing in um, a very close friend of mine uh, Charles Okino, who's our CTO, and we we built the product together. So so, tell tell me how you fell into HR. I mean that, that's that's nobody <laughs> nobody wakes up <laughs> in the in the sort of sandbox when they're five years old um, and says, "Mommy, mommy, I want to be an HR guy." Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, it's uh, it's actually a very, very funny story. Um, but like I said, I started, I have a finance degree. I was working for Thompson Financial uh, on their financial software. So I, I actually learned technology, became a certified SQL Server DBA. And then I, and then, um, I actually went back to school, was getting my master's, and I took some time off because I wanted to go full-time and just get it done. And my wife... Uh, got became pregnant and she's like you got to go back to work and a friend that I played softball with started up a recruitment agency and he allowed me to work part-time and while I was finishing up school um, and he had a good approach where because I was the hiring manager he wanted I could talk I could speak differently to both customers and candidates because I was in there living it doing technical recruiting. So that's actually how I broke in was in the recruiting side. Uh-huh. Well, that's a, that's yeah. a, that, it, it's an interesting place from which to approach HR. It, it, it's, it's a different world where, um, because it's the market facing part of the company, um, uh, in right. the talent markets, it behaves differently and it's funded differently than the rest of HR. So it's it's always interesting to hear 
what it was like to go from being in um, recruiting to to being in the rest of HR. Yeah. So, well, well it's funny because so I started out in the agency and it was, it was a good way to get my feet wet and understand, you know, they taught me how to recruit. Um, but what, what happened was even there, they're like, oh, you're technical. Here, take our ATS and fix it because nobody likes their ATS. Nobody likes their systems. They're never done right. So everywhere I went, so I started out doing contract recruiting when I left the agency world, and everywhere I went, they're like, oh, you're technical. Just take our ATS. So I quickly got into operations, started in TA operations, and then moved into the bigger HR realm. So it's just, it's funny how it evolved over uh, <laughs> over the years. Yeah, and what a, what a great what a great time because I, I would guess I would guess that the idea of um, HR operations didn't exist when you started working in recruiting, right? It's 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 it, been an, an evolution to get to the idea that an HR should have an ops department. Yeah, it, it really did. I mean, there was. There was usually, I think back then, really, IT still owned the system. So really wasn't even like an HRIS manager. So it was very unique having someone with my skill set being able to just jump in and just take control of the system, especially at that time. And even today, the first thing, if you go to a recruiter or an HR person, the first thing is they always say is, like, I don't like my ATF or I don't like my system. It doesn't do what I need. And, and honestly, when it comes down to it, the systems usually can do what they want. They're typically just not configured correctly. So that's really where I started getting into it and reconfiguring systems to make sure that you're fitting their business process. That's really interesting. So why do you think systems aren't configured properly? I mean, they're installed by the vendor. There's some huge fuss made over getting it right in the beginning. And, and yet what you, what you seem to be saying is that, um, that the universal problem with ATS is, is that they're installed badly. Yeah. It's just not ATSs. It's any HR system. Um, and, and, and part of the reason is um, typically they'll, when the vendor comes in, they'll talk to you about, oh, we'll use our consultants, and they really understand their system. But if you look, most of their consultants have never actually been practitioners. So they don't really understand it from the business side. And to me, you have to have that business understanding of how people use systems to be able to configure it correctly. So that's one of probably the biggest issue is, is they know because they come in and they say, yeah, we're going to do it for cheaper. We'll give you our consultants and they know our system inside and out and, and, and they'll just set it up for you. But one is they don't tell you how much work it really requires from the, from your, um, the internal side. I mean, you really need a, couple a dedicated resource just doing all of the defining all the requirements making sure they're right handing them over make sure they're configured correctly and testing them out this is a massive undertaking and and most of the time companies because they're not prepared for that everyone who's still on the project 
are also doing their day jobs. So they don't dedicate as much time that they need. So this is really where we started out was for me doing system implementations. I've, I've, before we even did the product, we are doing system uh, configurations, implementations, and this is why it's so critical that we still have these arms today on the consulting side. Because if so you, have, if you a, don't set your system, sorry. Yeah, that's a, that's an interest. That's an interesting notion. So, um, when you go and you get involved with a new company system, right? You've just described a configuration process that basically requires the vendor to understand the the actual work that gets done in the department in a unique way that looks like some sort of very detailed department level job analysis, right? And, and those sorts of studies are Correct. expensive and time consuming, which is why they don't really get done. So, so you've got a core expertise. How do you make that, how do you make that um, process digestible for your clients? Right. Because that's, it's still the same level of work and understanding on both sides of the equation. You have some the sort of cost advantage because you have core expertise in actual use of the systems, but every company's different, right? And so you have right. to figure and, out how, how to find the differences. Right. So, so what we do when we approach a project, we always break, we don't just bring in one person. We usually bring in a team. So we, we provide you with experts in specific areas. So we always bring in our subject matter expert, um, HR subject matter expert to lead the project, but we have a benefits expert, a payroll expert that we augment. So, so really, even though you're paying for like one person, you're getting like bits and pieces of five different experts. And so we really get in, we really dive into is all of the process, your, the company's process. We get into the level of detail. We're understanding what's working, what's not working, because when you're changing systems, this is the opportunity that you have to fix any processes that are broken. So if you go through and you fix those, identify those processes, lay them out, then you can go and start configuring the system to meet your processing needs. That's and that's, a, that's, the, that's the way I was just going to say, that's the way I have always approached it. Um, when I was in the operations side is, is I want to define my process and I want infrastructure and then I build my infrastructure to meet my process needs. So, so, so now you've got a company that does this and, and we probably, <laughs> We probably could go all the way through this conversation and never really talk about yeah. the predictive part of predictive HR. Cause, <laughs> right, right. Because you, you launched on solving a problem that lots of people have um, that they would love to believe they can have solved in a better way. Uh, but that's not actually the core of the business, is it? No. So, so it, are you talking about the predictive? Yeah. This is something we started with because when we were starting to launch the product, uh, the first couple customers that we had, we realized their data was so bad that we, could, we, could, we had a hard time tying it together. 
So we ended up doing our first our first couple of customers. We ended up doing implementations first before we left the product afterwards. And so then, once once the data is in there and it's a relatively good state, that's when our product can take over, and um, and then that's where the predictive piece comes in. Oh, that's that's very interesting. So, so what you're saying is, or, or or the way that I'd say what you're saying is that is that in order to actually install intelligence in your HR department, you first have to go through the cleaning and reorientation process. That's data governance, so that you've actually got some data to work with, and that's that's what you do with the implementation part is address that problem. Is that right? Yeah, if they if if they need it. it, and this is really only in certain scenarios where it, their data is really bad. The great news is, is part of our AI is we can do a lot of the cleaning on our side and actually produce data governance plans. But the problem is, is we always have to be fixing it, and and sometimes it's better to just to work with the customer and fix it at right at the source, right. because that way they understand what they're doing and they're, they're making and constantly making improvements in theirs and their, um, the way they do business. That's interesting. So, so part of what you're talking about is there is an already existing, but not often funded role inside of HR departments for being in charge of uh, data integrity might be a, might be a way of thinking yeah. about it. That's correct. That's interesting. I don't. Th- I think you're right, but I don't think I've heard anybody say it that way. That's that's uh, that's that that's an interesting thing. So so now you've got the systems are cleaned and perking along. You've solved the chunkiest of those kinds of problems. You're getting a flow of data that you want. What what does predictive HR actually do? So so that's where this is really where the magic happens is. What we do is we can take – we're 100% system agnostic. So what we do is we we connect directly to your systems, whether you have a, a suite that's all in one or if you, if you decide to go the best-in-breed route. And if you, if you do the best-in-breed, what's really nice is because we're pulling the data from all the different systems, we're actually able to report across the entire ecosystem and therefore look like you have just one suite of products. Oh, that's interesting. That's, that's really interesting. So, so again, what does it do? So, so what we do is because often what happens – and, and, and this is just to kind of go back to, to, to my experience, is typically when you have, you have all these disparate systems and they're working, everybody's working in silos, so you're only looking at one piece of the data. So you're creating reports and you're like, all right, great, here's my, here's my headcount. And then you go to finance, finance, finance comes up and they have a different headcount. And so when you're, you're, you have your CFO and, and, your, and your CPO are sitting there talking to the CEO, they're, they're, they have different headcount numbers. So what we do is by being able to connect the system, all the systems together, normalizing the data, clean it, and then be able to present a single source of truth, 
it allows all the executives to be able to speak and use the same numbers when they're making business decisions. Okay, so so that sounds like the consequence of the work that you do to get implementation done. But the the company's called Predictive HR. So what do you predict? Sure, sure. So so for us, where we spend a majority of our work right now is predicting around attrition. Uh huh. Um, so we are very unique in this space. Uh, we do not. Most companies that are out there will talk about how they use AI to make predictions. A majority of them use uh, only trending analysis, which is a very loose version of AI. But for us, we actually do uh, really get down into the uh, details. And so we, we actually go through and use two different flavors of AI. We use the first one we use is univariate, where we basically look at every single data point and when we're running it through our Monte Carlo simulation, and it's the, t- the computer's determining whether it's statistically important or it's, or it's not important. And once we've identified those areas that they are important, we run it through a second set of AI called uh, recursive feature elimination, RFE, where they start combining the elements together and coming up with even uh, a higher statistical value. And so we really get into the details. And, and when we, so when we predict who's leaving and you see our forecast numbers, so saying our, our attrition is going to spike, I can also give you a report that will tell you who's at most at risk, and you can actually see why we're picking that they're at risk. So, so, so that way it, so it allows companies to be able to uh, take action to help save people. So, so as I listen to you describe that process, what, what, what occurred to me is that you probably didn't build the AI that you're using here, that it's probably Google. It sounds like, um, um, and well, so, so there's, so there's 10 standard flavors of, of AI that we, that are available. So what we do is, we we take versions of that. We those are our starting points, but then we right. use we use our own coding to adjust it specifically to HR specific. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, but the but the core real technology, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know I don't know that it's necessary to go go down that particular rabbit hole. So you've got <laughs> you've got attrition pr- predictions. What do you do with them? Yep. What does a customer do with them? So, so a lot of times what they're doing is they're, they're looking at us from, to understand, all right, who, who are my employees most at risk? And then because we're looking at this from a holistic standpoint, we, get to, we can say, we can identify, are these people high performers? Are they, are they critical to business continuity? We identify who are those key people that they can't use they can't lose, and it gives them the ways to combat how to keep them with the company. Because, so because a- when you're going through, it's not always, it's not always about money. Sometimes it's other things. It's it's, it's understanding uh, 
you know, that they, they want more responsibility. They're taking more management. Maybe they're, they're doing one, pro, one type of work and they're really interested in something else. And you, you see in your LMS that they're taking all of these other classes because they're expanding their skill sets. So, so are you saying that when you do attrition forecasting, you provide recommendations from other HR systems about, about things yeah. that they might do? Or are you saying that because somebody gets a notification that Jamie is likely to leave and we really need to have him on the team, then the manager could go do those things. No. So, so we're, we're, because we're connecting directly to the systems we're, we're the systems already prompting to say, Hey, here's a person that's risk. And we have noticed that, and, and we have noticed that they're taking these other classes that are outside of their skill set. So this gives the man. What we're trying to do is give the manager the ability to to start conversations and have the data to back it up to understand the, how to take that conversation. Um, do you see any ethical problems with this? Uh, no, because we're just all we're doing is pulling in data that's already available to them. If they went in and manually did it, we just automate the process. That's interesting. I haven't really thought about this in this light, but but I wonder what level of expectation employees have, given that the fact that the data hasn't been used before, and whether or not this interrupts that expectation set. Hmm. I don't know. I haven't. I haven't thought of it like that. Yeah, I, I haven't mean, either. For it's, us, it's, go ahead. No, I was just saying for us, it's it's more about a way to connect all the systems together uh-huh. and, and provide a, a a single view in into all of your systems into your and and provide that holistic view as opposed to typically companies are making business decisions and and very narrow scoped folk uh, siloed approaches. Yeah, so 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 I guess what I'm getting at, and this is this has been a topic that's been emerging this summer, I think, is is the consequences of installing a technology are often not understood very well, right? Because uh-huh. any technology, when you install it, changes the way that people work and it changes the way they relate to their organization, um, and so. Um, um, what you what you start to imagine is so I I just assumed if I took some courses I'd be taking some courses I didn't realize my boss was going to judge me for doing that. Um, and now that I know, hang on, hang on. Now that I know yeah, that yeah. now that I know that I'm being more closely surveilled than I thought, I think that a significant number of people probably start to use that as a signaling mechanism, right? So, so the once you know how raises are distributed, it's it's kind of a predictable behavior that people will um, game the system, right? And 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 so so I wonder how you think about noticing that. So if I figure out that 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 taking courses outside of my discipline causes my boss to come ask me if, if I want to raise or need something else, I think I might start taking courses outside of the system. Um, 
Well, <laughs> right, and so and so, well, I'm just asking if you've thought about this. You yeah. don't need to defend something. So, right? just, well, no, no, no. So, well, the thing really with this is is that's only one piece of it. So you're you're only taking a very small, and and there has to be other identifiable attributes. That well, I, I'm, we I'm identify. suggesting that people can identify what those other attributes are. And manipulate them as a way of signaling economic mm, communications, right? That, they, that and, and this they, is how people do, right? And yeah. so, and so the question um, is, they, they could, the, the, the question is, um, when your tool becomes a communication system for some things that are other than it was intended to be used to communicate, how do you handle that? Because that, that always happens with systems, right? It always happens with systems okay. that they become useful for reasons other than the designers intended. I, honestly, I, this is the first time, so I, I, I don't have a good answer to that. That's, that, that's, that's um, fine. That's <laughs> fine. I, I, I don't really mean to put you on the spot, and I appreciate the fact that, that – um, <laughs> You're willing to say you don't know because there's no shortage of people who would try to bu- to bullshit their way through this. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I'm a very straight shooter because I've been in this. I, I, uh-huh. If I don't know, I, 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 if I don't know, I will tell you. But I will go and find out the answer. Um, I just we haven't thought of it like that because we actually have a very different take than to what you're proposing. Oh, I'm sure and, you do. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely sure you do. And, because honestly, what we're because in a new product that we are in the process of, of getting ready to launch in 2020, um, this is we're actually actually allowing employees to take more control of their path of, of their career. And so now we're so right now we just do we do the reporting to the managers. Uh-huh. But now we're going to be turning it and allowing the employees to take more control of what there's what they see. So all the stuff that we're going through and we're reporting up through the manager, the employee is going to have access to as well. So really, what we're trying to do is, for for us, data and is power. And whether you're on the management side or you're on the employee side, it, once you see even as employee and you see how all of these different things that you're doing is potentially correct, um, affecting your career progression, this gives you the opportunity to become more involved. It gives you, and it helps you along your employee journey. Fantastic. So, so again, yeah. So we just take a different view of it, not to use it for evil, but actually use it for good. <laughs> and, oh, oh, and, and, listen. <laughs> So, 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 so I'm going to take the last word here and, and suggest sure. that, that what I described isn't evil at all. What I described is what human beings do when given the technology. And, and, right. um, and, and so design of technology is evolving to account for the fact that people will use the technology in other ways than the designers intended. And it's a very uh-huh. challenging part of the AI question. And it's where right. all of the ethical issues um, in AI about 
bias and visibility and surveillance and privacy, all of those ethical issues end up centering on this very single topic. Um, and it's going to be where people differentiate themselves in the market coming, right? Because the, one of the problems with AI is its unintended consequences. And we just, in this conversation, it's been amazing. We just uncovered a really interesting set of things about unintended consequences that you might actually be able to foresee. Um, and so, no. so, so, right. so what a great conversation. Um, we've, We've run through the time slot, so what are the two or three things you'd like somebody to remember from the conversation after they've, they've listened to us in their car going down the highway? Um, well, I, th- I think the most important thing is, is um, making sure that um, your systems are, are in good working order and your systems are working for you. Um, the point, because too often you're spending all of your time doing stuff outside of the systems because the systems really aren't configured correctly. So there's that piece of it. And then on top of that, you need a way to be able to report and you need it real time so that executives or even managers can make business decisions. And that's, and that's exactly what predictive HR does. Fantastic. So please reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you. Sure. So my name is uh, Jamie Troiano. I am the founder and CEO of Predictive HR. Uh, you can come visit our website, find out a little bit more about what we do at predictivehr.com. Or, uh, and if you need to, you can reach out to me at jtroiano at predictivehr.com. Thanks, Jamie. It was a great conversation. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your forthrightness in, in the conversation because it's it's refreshing. It's really, really refreshing. Um, and thank you, and, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So you've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Jamie Troiano, and you spell that T R O I A N O, who is the CEO and founder of Predictive HR. And, and you might want to give them a look. Thanks very much for listening in, and we will talk to you next week. Bye bye now. 